It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. I'd like to open your Bibles to chapter 19 of the book of Luke. We're going to take a, a text from there, but we're going to kind of look around a little bit. I'd like to take a deeper look today at Palm Sunday. I guess you know that today is Palm Sunday. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just kind of pass by this and think, well, this is just the leading up to Easter. Uh, you know, when we do our dramas, and we, we do them quite a bit. Well, I don't ever get to preach on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, so this is a, it's, it's a privilege to be able to do that. But if you'll just allow me just to do a little, maybe more teaching today than preaching, I'd like for us to look at something, build a foundation, let it build a foundation in our life and, uh, and, and enrich us and I think help us to maybe be a little bit more aware uh, of the urgency of the hour that we're living in. We need that. And uh, so we're going to take a look here. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 28, it picks up here, it says, and Jesus had said, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethage uh, and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, with which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, tell him the Lord needs it. Those who, who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their, their cloaks on the, the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their, their cloaks on the, on the road. And when he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of, of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you, uh, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Let's pray with this. Father, just uh, bless your word today to our hearing, and Father, that it goes beyond that. Uh, it uh, penetrates our hearts, and Father, uh, it uh, just really enlightens us. Give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding today, Father, as we just commit ourselves to you to, to receive your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. What's Jesus saying here? You know, uh, you know is this just kind of a happenstance thing? They're, they've come in, he's been doing all this stuff, and they're coming into the city, and and so he says, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to have to have something to ride on. Go on up there and uh, get this colt. And if anybody asks you about it, just tell them that I have need of it. And, and here we go. I mean, it's, uh, it's just more than happenstance, you know, that all this was lined out. In fact, what's so interesting about this is, uh, I don't know if we really realize it or not, but this is such a, a parallel time in, in ministry for the church and for the Jews you know, if they would have accepted Jesus that day as their king, as the Messiah, things would have been drastically different. He, he came to the Jews first, although God knew that uh, they would, he would be rejected, been prophesied, and so then the church was formed after that. 
But uh, there's prophecy about this whole thing that, that was going to happen. In fact, something that's so amazing is that uh, back in the book of Daniel, I'd like for you to turn there to Daniel chapter 9. Way, way back, hundreds of years before this ever happened, a prophecy was given in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. And this passage of Scripture in Daniel is probably one of the most fascinating passages of Scripture that there is because it's prophesied and what takes place here. And in between this little, uh, between verse 26 and 27 is the entire church dispensation that's set in here. So let's look at what Daniel says here, and, uh, and then we'll try to see if we can't mesh these together. Everybody still following me? Okay. All right, so in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgressions, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and, and to anoint the most holy. All right, so what's going on here? Uh, Gabriel comes to Daniel's. He's telling him some stuff about this vision that he's seen. We're, we're kind of diving into it, but he says, what's going to happen here is 77s, and he's talking about seven uh, groups of seven-year times, okay, seven-year periods. And they understood this in, in their day and age of what was being said. And so he says, you know, because of uh, your transgressions, because you've turned from the Lord, because you haven't been obedient to what God has said to do, God is, is going to uh, deal some... Uh, some correction, some discipline, some punishment upon you, and it's going to be for 70 sevens. So that's 490 years. Everybody got that? Doing your math today? You can use your phones if you have them out anyway. Uh, 490 years were to be allotted out for Israel to be uh, under judgment, so to speak, from, from God. And so when he tells them, he says it, it's going to be, um, he said it's decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgressions, to put an end to, the, to sin. Now, how do you put an end to sin? Think about that. Hold on to it. We'll talk about it. Put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to uh, anoint the most holy. We might as well just deal with it while we're here. The only person that can do that is Jesus, the Messiah. He's the only one that can, that can put an end to sin that can atone for wickedness, that can bring in everlasting righteousness, everlasting righteousness, Jesus is the only one that can do that, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Who is the most holy? Jesus. So he says, this is going to happen, this punishment is going to happen until this happens, okay? Verse 25, it says, know and understand this, from the issuing, now he says, okay, here's where it's all going to start. From the issuing of, of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench or a wall, but uh, in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of, that, of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing in, uh, of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Wow. Sounds kind of like we're setting in algebra class or something, huh? Strange. 
Let's unpack this a little bit. That's why I said we need to do a little Bible study today to take a look at this because this is really a foundational verse for, for prophecy and, and, and seeing how God was looking down through the ages. Uh, there in verse 24 where he says uh, 77, so again, I mentioned that's 490 years, and he said that's decreed upon the people uh, and upon your holy city to finish transgressions. So we looked at that, that that's, uh, that's going to be done uh, until it, uh, this transgression, I mean, so until it can be dealt with. You know, Israel's sin and their disobedience, uh, it, it, brought, uh, an, it brought this this need for correction and, and for God to, to correct them and, and to discipline them. And um, she's not going to, you know, Israel's not going to repent until the Messiah comes. And so that's what they were looking at. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for a king when Jesus came. They were looking for an earthly king. And he, they missed him as the, you know, the king of kings. And they were looking for a kingdom. And he came in and brought a kingdom. And, you know, so they were looking in all different directions. And so, um, a little note here about uh, Israel's sin of disobedience will be brought to an end at Christ's second coming when Israel repents and turns to him when she actually does accept him as the Messiah, as the Savior. And then she's going to be, uh, then Israel will be restored to the land and blessed in answer to Daniel's prayer. So the prayer that Daniel was praying way back then, it's going to be answered. But isn't this amazing? But remember it said, seal this up until these things have been done. Take this vision, seal it up until the end. So this has been sealed up until these things begin to take place. Follow me. Stay with me now. Uh, God's going to put an end to sin, as I mentioned a while ago. Jesus, when he said it is finished, it was finished. So he put an end to sin, all those sins still present, but there's, a, there's an answer for the sin now through Christ, and, and that's the payment that God accepts. Um, let's break down the division of this 77s just a little bit. At the beginning where it says, no one understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. And it says it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. So the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, that decree came from uh, Artaxerxes back in, and scholars have traced this back because it was recorded in the, you know, the, in all the record books, but it was March the 5th, 444 B.C. was when that was actually, that decree was issued, okay, for uh, Jerusalem uh, to you know, uh, for those things to take place. That's found in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verses 1 through 8. You can check it out. Some of you like to, you know, look at it, do a little more Bible study. So this 490-year period is divided, though, into three segments. Did you catch that? There's seven sevens, which is 49 years. There's 62 sevens, which are 434 years. And then there's one seven, which is seven years. All right? Now, hang on to it. I know, I know there's a lot of stuff that you're hanging on to out here. Um, this first one where it says that there are seven sevens plus 62 sevens is how it's indicated there. Um, it's really one thing together, but uh, it was uh, really the 49 years or the seven weeks that he first said that was allotted out. Was, it covered the time exactly from when the decree went forth from building Jerusalem there in, in 444 B.C. to the close of the Old Testament writings of Malachi. So that's what, and that's why I separated it out. It said seven sevens. So it dealt with that period of time, but it's, it's consecutive then with the 62 sevens. Too many sevens going on here? All right. <laughs> so um, 
so then the second thing then is, is this time limit of the 62 sevens. And so it says the, the 62 sevens or this 434 years is added on with it extends up to the introduction of the Messiah. And who is the Messiah? Jesus, okay? When he was introduced to the nation of Israel. And when was he introduced to the nation of Israel? Now, he was hanging around doing ministry and everything, but the official introduction was on Palm Sunday when he came through. And people, that's, one, let's see, 173,800 and some odd days. And it's down to the day. It didn't miss it by, like, well, we, you know, like, oh, well, that should have been, we thought it was next week or last week. I mean, it was down to the day from what was prophesied. That's important to realize. It was no accident that Jesus rode through those gates on that donkey on that particular day on Palm Sunday. Uh, in his triumphal entry, he fulfilled Zechariah 9, 9, and uh, where it says that if you, even you had, and then Jesus, he makes that statement. He says, if, if you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace but now it is hidden from your eyes. That's when Jesus cries. After this, there in Luke 19, if you follow on down, he's looking over Jerusalem and he weeps. He said, if you would only have known. Well, my goodness, they had 483 years to know about it. But it's like a lot of other things, you know. Like Jesus told him, he said, you, you, uh, you strain a gnat and swallow a camel, you know. And so they're looking in the wrong places. And so, uh, all these things where it says, it says that uh, he's introduced here on Palm Sunday and um, on that triumphal entry when he comes through and he's presented as the king, he comes in on this donkey and that means that's showing peace. If he would have come in on a horse, it would have been like as the, a war hero, but it was, he kept telling them, no, I'm not coming as the war hero. They were wanting deliverance from Rome. 200 years prior, uh, Judas Maccabee had come in, and, and they were under oppression, and he came in on a horse, and, and they did the palm branches, and, the, and they sang the songs, the same thing that they did for Jesus. And, and uh, Judas Maccabee went in, cleansed the temple because they had, the Syrians had set up some stuff, got all that straightened out, and, and uh, so they, you know, elevated him as a hero, put his face on coins and all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, Jesus was trying to make it very clear that I'm not coming in as a war hero. I'm coming in as the prince of peace, the king of kings. And he'll bring about peace, but it wasn't going to be by that particular way. And so by coming in on the donkey, which was already prophesied anyway that he would, would show that he was coming in as a king and in, in peace to, to come in in that particular way. Um, and so he's presented as the Messiah. They're saying, oh, yeah, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, they were saying Messiah, uh, you know, and, and uh, son of David and all these things. I mean, they were recognizing, and he was presented then as the Messiah, and it was the exact day that was prophesied to, to Daniel. And, um, you know, he was eventually... Uh, you know, they should have been familiar, very familiar with this passage in Daniel, but again, people don't think about it. They don't look. They're just, they're looking for something else. They're too busy. Here, people, we've got to be careful. I mean, we can talk about how they missed Jesus when he came as the Messiah, and we can miss him every day of our life when he comes to help us, when he shows up as our king of kings, that we want him, that we might need him as the king of kings or as our counselor as uh, the prince of peace or as the mighty warrior or our Jehovah Jireh, whoever he shows up to be, 
we might miss him because we're wanting him to do something else. You know, well, he knows how he needs to work in our life more than what we know or what we think we know that how he needs to work in our life. The, the first two segments that were mentioned there, the seven sevens and the 62 sevens, uh, it's, it, that time period ran consecutively, as I said a while ago, with no time in between, and they totaled 483 years, and it extended from March the 5th, 444 B.C. to March the 30th, A.D. 33. You say, that's pretty specific. It is very specific, and it's recorded in the annals of history, in the Jewish history. And if you figure, it's, it's exactly what was prophesied. No accident. But how many years did I say that is? 483. We've got a little parentheses here between Daniel 9.26 and Daniel 9.27. When you take uh, eschatology and prophecy courses and stuff, you've got to go in here and you've got to find this extra little week. Where's that other one? I mean, if God fulfilled all these others, and I mean, not just like hit and miss. I mean, they were exact from what was prophesied right down to the day, don't we think that he's going to fulfill this last seven years? So we need to go back then because we're not finished there at Daniel 9, 26. It says until the Messiah then comes, that's when it's, that's going to be the end of the 69 sevens. And so as we look at it, it says after the 62 sevens, because it said seven sevens, you know, then the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. What do you think that was? The anointed one, the Messiah, cut off and will have nothing. Crucifixion? Absolutely. Absolutely. Daniel 9, 26, it says, the anointed one we cut off after the seven and the 62 sevens, that, which totals 69 sevens. After it had run its course, this interval between the 69th seven and the 70th seven um, is still hanging loose. It's still out there a little bit. And, um, you know, it was anticipated by Christ when he prophesied uh, that the, the establishing of the church, when he said to, to Peter, he says, I tell you that, that you're Peter. And he says, and on this rock, I'll build my church. Talking about the revelation that Peter had when he said, who do men say that I am? Because he was getting ready to be revealed as the Messiah coming in officially, try his triumphal entry. So he says, to kind of check and ask, so who do men say that I am? Oh, they say, well, you're one of the prophets. Or da, 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 da. Well, they still hadn't received him as the Messiah. He said, well, what about you? And Peter said, you are the Christ, meaning the Messiah. You are the, you are the Christ. You are the, the Son of God. And, and so he says, okay, on that revelation, he says, uh, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he began to prophesy right there what was going to happen. And it's between that 69th week of years and the 70th week of years. So there's a parenthesis that holds on there because the church age had to come on in because Israel rejected Christ as the Messiah, but God's never caught off guard. He's always got a plan, right? And so, um, uh, you know, he's... He settled in here and, and, and brought, it, brought it right in. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. Paul says, uh, or starting in verse 1 in chapter 3 of, of Ephesians, says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and then he kind of pauses, he says, For surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace 
that was given to me for you, because he's talking to the Gentiles. He says, um, he, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And he said, you know, you, you've heard about this grace that God's extended to you because it was supposed to be dealing with, with Israel. But God's extended some grace here because basically Israel rejected him. They didn't accept him. So God's opened this up now and he's extending grace to you. And Paul said, and I'm an apostle sent to you Gentiles. And he was trying to say, this is a great thing. This is a, this is a cool thing. You're, God's opening up and allowing you to be participators and uh, uh, receive, uh, to receive his grace. So verse 2 there in Ephesians 3, if you want to follow along through here, he says, Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery. Here we go. The mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Here's this mystery, a mystery of Christ, the Messiah that the Jewish nation missed. And, and he says, the mystery of Christ, which was not made known, listen to this, to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Verse 6, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. New thing. Never happened before. And said that the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. He says, verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, talking about the Messiah, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, he keeps calling it, which for ages past was kept hidden in God. Well, remember when he told Daniel, so you seal this thing up. Seal it up till the proper time. So for all this time through the Old Testament, they would read Daniel and they would know that, okay, well, then when the Messiah comes, then this, the next thing's going to be the Antichrist's going to come on and he's going to set himself up in the temple and, and the abomination that makes desolate and all these things are going to happen. Bang, 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 right on down. But what happened? They didn't receive the Messiah, so stop, put on hold the nation of Israel. Insert now this mystery that was held and hidden from all ages, insert the church dispensation throughout this whole time now until we get up to a certain thing until we're going to pick up verse 27 in Daniel and take it off again. That's where we'll find that last. Remember, it was split up and then one more seven, one more week, which you should know that that is the seven-year tribulation time that's coming upon the face of the earth. Paul said there, in verse 8, he says, although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was made known to me, verse 9, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Verse 10, he says, his intent, God's intent was that now, through the church, not the nation of Israel, but now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities and in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul says, you know, God accomplished it through Christ, the Christ, the Messiah. And it was a mystery. They didn't know about it. But they should have recognized him, and since they didn't recognize him and they rejected the Messiah, now then this grace has been extended to the Gentiles as well. 
So here we are. You know, we uh, kind of missing out on something this last 70th, the 70th seven or the 70th week of years. Let's go back there in verse 26 of Daniel chapter 9. Everybody with me still? I told you, that, I know Sunday morning's off, it's off early for Bible study, but y'all are doing good, I think. I think you're doing good. I think those looks are just like you're concentrating like. <laughs> After 62 sevens, we're back in verse 26 of Daniel chapter 9. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing, okay? Now then, that happened at crucifixion. Pause. Now then, here we go. The people of the ruler who will come. Who's the ruler that's going to come? The Antichrist. That's been prophesied. The Antichrist is going to come. But between the crucifixion of the Messiah and when the Antichrist comes, here's this dispensation time. It's just an allotted time frame where that the church now becomes a part of this. And now we, we now have access to God and we're grafted in. And, and so it's the church time through here, all right? That's where we are right now. And so now then, where we were in past, in history, in verse 26, right here we move forward into the future. Ready? We're back to the future here. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. So Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. The sanctuary's going to be destroyed. So we know that's where you'll hear prophecy. They say, well, they've got to build this third temple. And we know that they're working on that now there in Jerusalem. They're building it. So what will happen is they'll get that built. And uh, those that come that are under the, the, the direction of the Antichrist, they're going to destroy the city. They're going to destroy the sanctuary. And then it says... The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. Verse 27, he, who is he, who is he here? He is that ruler that would come. He that's mentioned here is the Antichrist. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Okay, so here we get down to the last seven years. That's allotted out. The seven-year tribulation. It's what we always hear about. But we never know really, where did, we, where did it come from? Why does it have to come? People will ask me, well, why is it seven years? And why does it have to Because it was part of 69 years. It's part of a whole lot of other stuff. It just hasn't happened yet. Because God's opened it up and spared it so that we now have access to him. And we can become children of God. And we can become the bride of Christ and rule and reign with him. Amen. So verse 27 says, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. So what happens here is... The Antichrist comes on the scene, and uh, so he says, all right, uh, we're going to, let's all get along, and uh, we're going to work in here in the area, the, in the Palestinian area. And, and, you know, really, when Sandy and I were in India, we, we met several of the young Jewish uh, uh, citizens there that had just got out of the army, the military. You know, they all have to serve, the guys and girls both. And they went to India, and, they, and so we, here we're, up the Himalaya mountains, up right at the ice cap, and they'd come up one way, so we're hanging out around a fire <laughs> after, you know, snowing on the ground, so we're hanging out, so we're talking. I'm, I'm talking to them. I want to find out what's up, you know, and some stuff like that, and so as I got to talking, I'm asking, and I'm all excited about Israel and the nation of Israel and all this stuff, and they go, ah. uh, oh, because we're talking about the, the, the conflicts there and the war and, and how that the Palestinians won, and, and they said, they can have it. And I about fell over. I thought, what? So they can have it. We're tired of messing with it. We're tired of fighting. 
See, this generation now they've had since, you know, 1948 was when Israel was declared a nation. And so now then every, I mean, every person, when they get out of high school, they turn 18, they've got to go and serve in the military, and they're fighting, and they're tired of it. So what, what this generation that's, that's there now, that's governing now, they're saying, you know what? We're tired of it. They can have it. There's still some holding out, you know, but I, I think what's going to happen, and it has to happen, is that the majority is going to say, look, we're just tired of this. Let's just get along. In fact, they're, these, they, they were moving out. They were moving to India. And he says, and I was talking, he says, oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of people moving here. It's cheaper and all this stuff. I'm like, really? And I thought, y'all have fought for this nation, and you fought for Israel, and you're leaving it? And it you know, they can have it. We're tired of it. And that just about blew me away. I, I'll just, I mean, I can just remember the smell of the, of the campfire there and just standing there, you know, and thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that, this is, that they're actually saying this because we're that close as prophecy is being fulfilled because they're ready to make a treaty. So I know that down through the ages, you see, Satan doesn't know when, when it's going to be time, so he has to have, it's like a bullpen. He's got to have the Antichrist ready at all times because he doesn't know. You know, and I think we've seen some little explosions of that down through history of, you know, Antiochus the Great came in in 70 AD and destroyed the temple there in, in Jerusalem, and, and he slaughtered a pig on the altar and some things too. I mean, Satan's been, you know, I'm sure Satan had his hand in Hitler and all that stuff was going on, and just over and over and over. He doesn't know when it's going to be his time. Jesus said, no man knows the hour of the day, only the Father. So Satan has to have somebody ready to step in to be the Antichrist. And, uh, you know, they have to be a certain person, but he can, let's say, anoint just like God can anoint uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit can anoint. So he's got somebody ready. And so when this person steps onto the scene, he'll, ha he'll be in a position to uh, negotiate. He'll be a very charismatic person and be able to negotiate and work out a tree for that whole area, and man, everybody's going to be happy. It's just going to be ding-dong, the witch is dead. I mean, you know, here we go. And, uh, and everybody's excited for, you remember what it said? The middle of that seven or three and a half years, then he breaks the, the treaty, breaks that covenant, and literally all hell breaks loose. I mean, it does. <laughs> I mean, Satan, we find in Revelation 13, is... is uh, hurled, in one translation, hurled out of heaven, and he goes and he looses the caverns of the deep where demonic spirits are being held when we bind, you know, and, and, this, and remember the demons when Jesus came around, oh, don't, don't, don't send us to the dry places, you know, let us at least go into these pigs, you know, because, you know, when they're, set, they're bound and, and held captive in these various places, well, Satan, when he's loose there in Revelation, he comes and he opens that up. And it, it describes it in the book of Revelation like it, it's like it gets dark. I've been to Carlsbad Caverns before. How many of you have been that way? Or, or some of these places where a lot of the bats are in, and at night when they come out, it's like it's just solid. It, just, it is pitch black because it's just solid bats. And that's the vision, that's the, the view I have of when these demons are released from their captivity of where they've been being held for 2,000 years because of uh, anointed men and women of God binding them and, and uh, you know, they, they're being held captive there. And when they come out, wow, things change. Satan then 
the Antichrist will, we don't have time to get into all this stuff, but he's going to suffer a, a deadly head, head wound. And people will be, he'll be assassinated. It'll be televised. I remember back when I was just a little kid and I'd hear the adults talking about it. They'd say, well, I don't know how it's going to happen. It says all the world will see it. I don't know how all the world could see it. Well, we know <laughs> satellite television. I mean, you know, if we can see it in our day and age, but they couldn't, but they believed it. They couldn't see how it would happen, but they believed it would because that's what the Word of God said. But all the world will see the Antichrist laying there on a slab, shot in the head, dead, and then all of a sudden he's raised up. Satan literally, in, in, this Antichrist is incarnated and he's no longer the man just under the direction of Satan. He is Satan incarnated on the face of the earth. And he has come and he is upset. And he's upset at God. He's upset at especially the nation Israel. If you read that last part, what's called Jacob's trouble, I mean, it talks about the dragon chasing the, the woman, and, and she's, you know, on, she's fleeing from him, and he has set out to destroy anything and everything that represents God. It gets bad. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. No born-again believer will have to go through that. We see that the first, in, during the first three and a half years, amen, you need to be happy about that. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul talks about, says, you know, well, those that sleep, sleep into the night. Those that are, you know, awake, we're children of the day. We're not children of the night. We shouldn't be sleeping. And he was talking about believers, that some believers are, they're not paying attention. They don't have a clue what's going on. He said, those that sleep are going to sleep into the night. He says, but... Let's read it. Let's go over there and read that real quick since we're in Bible study. Is that all right? Might as well read it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Oh, I love electronic Bibles. <laughs> Don't even have to do that. Are you there? If you are, say hallelujah. Uh, verse 1 there, chapter 5. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, okay, and he's called, they're Christians, these are believers, you, you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. We've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Y'all like Bible study on Sunday mornings every once in a while? I mean, I love to preach, but I like to teach too, so every once in a while we might have to have some teaching just to, so we can figure out what we're preaching about. <laughs> you get, might get more excited if you know what, what we're talking about. <laughs> so he says, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness. You're not under the kingdom of darkness, and we shouldn't be in darkness in our understanding or our perception of what's happening in the spiritual realm. He says, you're not in darkness so that that day should surprise you like a thief. Verse 5, you are all children of the light. Amen. And we really are because of the Light Christian Center, right? <laughs> you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Pay attention here. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober, be alert, be vigilant spiritually, be tuned in, tapped in on what's going on. Not just so you're like, well, I don't know what's going on, but I'm taking care of myself. But 
I'm saved. You ever been like that in your life? Because y'all aren't. I know y'all are just, man, you're here on Sunday morning, so y'all are the overcomers. I mean, come back, Jesus. Right now, we're all out of here, right? But have you ever been at that stage in your, your, your Christian life where you knew that Jesus was Lord, you'd accepted him, you'd received him, you knew that he forgave you of your sins, but you still had your things to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was fine. And you were really living for him. And, I mean, you, you're not just making it real blatant, but pretty much you're just living for yourself and doing whatever, and, and that's fine, right? I mean, we just, every, whatever it takes, maybe, but that's not a big deal. I mean, living spiritually is not a big deal. Is that making sense? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there? I have, you know, more concerned about what I'm doing than what God wants to do. I got my own things going on, but I know I'm a child of God. I've received him. Okay, so he's talking about there will be believers that are asleep in a sense. They're dormant. They're like, you know, when winter comes on, we don't have it too bad down here, but and all the trees lose their leaves. And, and you think, are they, are, did it die? No, it didn't die. It just dropped its leaves. It's, it's uh, dormant. You ever see any dormant Christians? Probably work with a few. <laughs> and they, they surprise you. They you're a Christian? Oh, wow. Could have fooled me. I didn't see any fruit. That's why Jesus cursed the, the fig tree, you know, and it didn't bring forth fruit. It wasn't showing, wasn't evidence in who it was. Are y'all getting anything out of this now? I mean, I know y'all probably don't have a clue about anybody like that. That's just, you know, a Christian. I mean, they've accepted Jesus, but that's it. It's kind of like, you know, okay, I got to, okay, I'm saved. Let's see how far I can get over here and <laughs> see what I can do. You know what I'm talking about? You know, let's see how far I can stretch and do what I want to do and still be a, a child of God. I'm, I'm going to heaven. Yeah. But what are you going to go through before you get there? So here, listen to what he's saying here. My electronic Bible died. That's the only bad thing about him. Let me see if we can do all this stuff, get it back on. Wake up, thou that sleepeth, arise from the dead. Okay, so it says, uh, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not, here we go, listen, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, he, didn't, he, he doesn't just say, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to smack you around a little bit. You know, you're in big-time timeout, you know? you know, and you're going to just go through the, you know, what was intended for, you know, unbelievers. No, he didn't intend for us to suffer wrath. We're his children. Now, he disciplines those that he loves, which is not very fun, but he didn't intend for us to suffer wrath. For God did not appoint or appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, he died for us so that whether we are what? Or we may live together with him. So, that's good. But if you're asleep when he descends from heaven with a shout there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, for the Lord himself 
shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He's not coming back here. He's there, and we're caught up to meet him. That's a call to rapture, and we're taken out of this thing. Revelation chapter 4 says, you know, the first three chapters of Revelation is past. John's looking back over the church period and seeing what uh, Jesus said to the churches, you know, and to the, this church and all that. And uh, so chapter 4 says, and he turned and looked. So now he's looking yet future, and he says, and a door was open for me. This door. That, and he says, and I was caught up. This is that door of out translation of rapture. Oh, there we go. Hey, thank Look at this. I feel like back in Daniel's time when they had the writing on the wall. <laughs> Except I can read this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and, and a voice that I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall be caught up. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. So there's the catching up. Now, that's before the tribulation starts. Chapter 4 of Revelation is before everything gets bad. If you never wanted it, if you ever wanted anything, let me say it like that. If you ever wanted anything in your life, you want this. You want to be out of here before the first three and a half years. Now, yeah, the last three and a half years is the time of Jacob's trouble. That's the wrath of God. That's when they're crying out, let the rocks fall on us, kill us, you know, please, can't live through this anymore. That's really, really, really bad, but it's really, really bad right at the first three and a half years too. These things are going crazy. It's not a time that you want to be here. And then, you know, if you have a hard time living a Christian life now when it's easy, what are you going to do when it gets tough? When they're walking around looking for somebody to kill and chop their head off or something like that. You know, what, what's that? People say, oh, well, you know, when it gets, when it gets time, I'm going to, I'll, I'll get right with God. You better hope. <laughs> you know? I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. must be just talking to me. But anyway, I, I, if you ever wanted, desired anything, don't be asleep, as he says there. i got to fix this Bible. It keeps going to sleep on me. <laughs> it's going to go into darkness if it doesn't wake up. So he says um, he died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. So thank God we have the promise of eternal life. We're going to spend eternity in heaven. But I just want to get there early. <laughs> okay? He says, um, therefore, verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. So, you know, you can read Matthew 24 when he goes through and, and the disciples are asking him all about, you know, when is the end going to come? And so he starts telling them all this stuff and everything is going to happen. And it parallels Revelation chapter 6. And, and you, begin to, you can see when this man of sin comes on and the, the Antichrist, when he sets up and the white horse and, you know, and all the, you can see that, all the progression through here. And then it says two men will be in a, in a field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding. One will be taken. One will be left. And so people say, oh, well, that means the believer's taken and the unbeliever's. No, no, no. If that was the case, you can't do apples and oranges. It says like kind, two men, two women. And it's also then it talks about Lord. It says um, uh, they, he calls them servants. 
He even mentions servants. Well, an unbeliever is not a servant of God. And, uh, man, I'm having to go over this so fast because it gets a little deep. We need to take some time just to look at Matthew 24. But he's comparing like kinds. So one believer will be taken, one will be left. Why? Because one's awake, one's asleep. One's ready to go, one's living for himself. It talks about this group of people that this great innumerable company, and you've heard me mention this before, that, you know, the, the 24 elders, which is a symbolic number of a group of people who are ruling and reigning, 24 is twice 12, 12 is a governmental number, so this is speaking of those who are ruling and reigning with Christ, which should be overcomers. They're in his throne and with his throne, but around the throne or in the sea of glass, this great innumerable company, which no man can number out here, they had on robes, but they had to wash their robes. Their robes have been spotted. How do you spot your robe of righteousness? When you get saved and they're handing out robes, they ain't giving you one from the goodwill that's been worn by somebody else and it's all spotted. No, you get a robe of righteousness, right? Because we're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. So when I'm saved, when I get saved, I mean, he declares me to be free from sin. He declares me to be righteous. He doesn't say, well... Wipe all, yeah, take care of the rest of that yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? He gives me a robe of righteousness. So if I have a robe that I had to cleanse that had been spotted, it said because they began to eat and drink with the drunkards. In other words, those that were intoxicated on the things of this world, partaking of the philosophies and the various religions of this world, intoxicated on the things of the world, it says then this, this believer who wasn't really looking for the things of God but living for himself, he began to eat and drink with the drunkard and, and partake along right along with the world. And so his, it says to him, it says he will appoint him a portion with the hypocrite where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That word is specifically used only in that place. It means an allotted time. And where it says one will be taken, the word taken is specifically used for as to a marriage. That's where I want to go. I want to be the bride of Christ. I want to I go to the marriage supper. I don't want to be hanging out down here you know, seeing what ne what's going to come next. Uh, with a portion, with the hypocrite, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, that ain't no purgatory. Uh, that's, not, that's not happening. That portion is this first three and a half years of this tribulation. There's seven years, but the first three and a half years, we're not supposed to be here. God didn't appoint us to suffer wrath. But if a person's here, it's because they're not thinking about the things of Christ. They're out here doing what they want to do, and when he comes, they don't know about it. I preached a series about uh, what do you do if you miss, miss the rapture. <laughs> Lane Savoy made me a little plaque, and he put that, it was a cassette tape back then, and it looks like a, those fire things, you know, you take and you break the glass, and he says, in case of rapture, break the glass. This ain't in my office in there. And it has that message, and because and, I mentioned something, you know, get, the, get a copy of this message and put it somewhere, and you put it in your will, and you tell your family members and you ch tell the, your, your kids or your relatives that aren't living for Jesus, tell them, if I, if I come up missing sometime, <laughs> a bunch of us are missing, you get this and you listen to it, and then you'll know what to do. You know, what do you do in case of rapture? And it tells you, you know, first thing you do, get all the Bibles you can get because <laughs> they're going to destroy them and all those things, you know, through there. Well, he put that in a little box. But I don't want to be one of those people that's thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do now? Be stuck here till that into that three and a half years, that's not very long, is it? Unless it's month by month, week by week, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute of persecution. 
How long can I, how long can I hold a torch on your arm? Would you, would you mind if I just took a brief? Oh, just, just for about 20 seconds, that'd be okay, wouldn't it? You know, how long do you want to hang out here when you should be in heaven? So that's what he's talking about here in this, and through this prophecy that Daniel gives way back then, just happens to, you know, coincide with the triumphal entry when Jesus comes in to present himself as the Messiah. I'm here. And they said, no, you ain't. Well, some of them were. Oh, yeah, Hosanna, David, the son of David, come and kill the Romans for us. <laughs> they, they missed it by that much. The same ones that on Sunday were hollering Hosanna were hollering crucify him on Friday. Now, Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna, you're going to save us. Oh, boy. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And then when it wasn't what they had, it wasn't the king that they thought, crucify him. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas. You know, at least he's a zealot. At least he'll go out there and kill a Roman or two. That's what he's in jail for anyway. So let us have Barabbas take this other guy and crucify him. He's worthless. We need somebody that's going to fight for us. Hmm. Perceptions. And sometimes we get the wrong perception today of what we want Jesus to do. Oh, Jesus, would you please get me that? I need some of that. While you're down there, will you bring that to me? We want him serving us instead of us serving him. And we miss who he is. Man, they were so close. So close. Daniel 9, 26. And after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Now, see, he's talking about all that stuff. When he makes the covenant, is right after the when the overcomers are out of here. And read Second Thessalonians chapter two, because it says it talks about you know in the King James like he that hindereth will hinder until I like the hindereth. I like all those things in there. It's pretty cool. But, you know, those that are hindering, whoever's hindering the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist, you know, he can't, he can't really move until those who are hindering him are removed or taken out. Well, let me tell you who's hindering a spirit of Antichrist today. Spirit-filled, overcoming Christians because we're binding and loosing. We're not allowing it. But when overcomers are out of here at the rapture, then it says there in that's the second Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, then, you know, that's when he's going to be able to do what he needs to do. He's going to be free then. And so then he makes the covenant. Right then is when he makes this covenant for this whole seven years. There's already, it's already starting to get bad. It's starting to get bad now. Right? Wow. I mean, we sent 59 cruise missiles over to Syria. Thank God somebody stood up to do something. You know, I'm not here to talk about politics, but at least... Somebody needs to tell them, you know, you're not going to go around killing, you know, babies and women and children and acting like that because, yeah, that's their own people. That's what they're doing to their own people. What are they going to do to us? <laughs> they would, if they could get here, they'd do the same thing to us. And so, you know, I mean, things like that are happening now. Wars and rumors of wars. Well, that's just the beginning of birth pains. 
people, we're there. We're at that point of where, you know, we're seeing the rumblings. We're seeing the beginning of these things. It talks about the beginning of sorrows. We're seeing it. We're into that point of where we are seeing what can happen. Can happen. They, can, they talk about, I like to watch the that Science Channel and History Channel and those things that talk about, uh, I didn't get to see the whole series, but it talks about how the world will end, but they take, you know, the, uh, how that, um, you know, a, a, a meteorite could hit the earth, and if it hit like it did back when it destroyed the dinosaurs, well, you know, how many people it's going to destroy and kill, and just read Revelation chapter 6. Star falls from the sky. It's a comet or something, and it kills a third of the, of the earth. And they're saying, oh, well, yeah, that's not, that's not unrealistic, not at all. Could very well happen. And it really, and you know, and if it hits a really populated area, it's even worse. And so here we go. And pestilence, oh, yeah, that could happen. And all this stuff. And, and uh, viruses that, you know, the diseases that we don't have any control over. Well, they're talking about how that, you know, just the, the different types of um, bacterial infections that we have now, they're so, they're immune to the, the antibiotics that we got going around, you know, super viruses, super viruses and stuff like that, you know. Y'all hear, I'm not talking, I don't want, I don't do this very often because people get real nervous and they get afraid. If you're afraid, you don't need to be. You can have, if you're saved, you have peace with God. That's a good thing. And if you are walking with him, then you can have the peace of God. <laughs> so you can have peace with God, but you can also have the peace of God. And people, it doesn't, I get, I'm, I get excited when I see these things happening because I know that it's like, man, I'm going to practice my, my rapture exercises, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think it's just going to be so funny where they find my pile of stuff. They're going to find titanium hips and screws and <laughs> wires falling. Like, what was that? <laughs> a few caps on the teeth and, you know, whatever, man. I was going to be laying there in a clump of stuff, you know? I hope I get some new stuff when I, I know I'm going to get a new body. I just hope I get some other stuff to go with it. <laughs> you know, when I get up there, everything I'm leaving behind here. But I tell you what, I, I want to go out before all this stuff happens, starts happening. That's enough incentive, and we shouldn't live in fear. It ought to be, I mean, I, I don't serve him because I'm afraid. I serve him because I love him. It doesn't, I remember there was a time when I was afraid. Oh, man, I could never do this. I could never live that type of life. You know, I guess I'm going to get stuck here, and Antichrist is going to beat me up, and I don't know what all. You know, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like, just love him. Just love him. It, you don't have to know. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to. You don't, it's not what you know. It's who you know. You know, it's not how long you've been saved. It's how you, I mean, are you living saved? You know, I mean, are you living for him? If you love him, you won't do anything that offends him. If you've come here long enough, you know, I, I don't come up here and just like, don't, 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 don't. You better cut this out, cut this out, and don't do this. You know what? If you love him, I just want, I want you to fall in love with Jesus. Because if you fall in love with him, you won't want to be doing something that's offending him, right? I mean, if you really love somebody, you don't want to offend them. And so when you're loving them, then you're walking then in his presence. And, and you know what? All he says for those that are awake, those that are watching for him, all it is is faithfulness. I mean, you could be saved one hour or five minutes. If you're faithful in that time frame to him, don't have to worry about it. 
you're out of here. Amen? Be faithful of what he's called you to do. Now, there's different degrees of that, you know. Uh, the kids over in Children's Church, they might be living faithful to what they got. I'm held to a whole lot higher degree. I know a lot more than what they do. And I might say, well, I can, you know, hey, I'm, I'm doing better than they are. I'm doing better than the Royal Rangers are. They're doing pretty good. They learn how to witness and all that stuff. I'm like, okay, I can kind of keep up with that. Wait a minute. That's not who I I don't look someplace else to try to find out what, how, what the least is that I can do. I'm to look to Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of my faith. I'm to be like him. And if I'm following him, I want to be faithful to him every day. Something ought to be changing in me. And I don't have to worry about what I'm, you know, to try to stop this and quit that. It's just I want to start this, <laughs> you know. I, I just want to love him more. And when we do that, we're going to be faithful to him. And that's all he says that, that, that we need to do. You know, hey, receive him. If he's riding through your, your gate today on the triumphal entry, man, open up your arms and, and say, yes, Messiah, you're Jesus. I love you. And be the same way that, to, you know, today, be the same way Friday when, you know, when all the opposition is around and when it's not so popular to be crying out, Hosanna, you know, when there's a threat. Sometimes, you know, it's not that easy if you're around certain people that uh, maybe that you're embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed of my Lord. I used to think, you know, get a little nervous. My dad, <laughs> some of you that knew him, you know, he'd sit off over to the side and, and every once in a while, he'd get one of these glory shots. Glory! Okay, Dad. Boy, I'm glad you like that, you know. But let me tell you, what concerned me was when we go into a restaurant to pray. I was just about ready for him to say, let's all stand and let's just have a word of prayer here today. It was like, I mean, it wasn't that, but it was just almost, I thought it was going to be like that, you know. Like, okay, Dad, how about just our little table right here, you know. And, I mean, you know, I get real embarrassed about it or whatever. But you know what? I'd just sit back and say, that's cool. Let's do it. Whatever, you know. We were coming back from Promise Keepers several years ago. Danny and Troy and uh, T and Bubba Colberth. And we stopped at this place right out of San Antonio. You know, there's not a lot of places there on I-10, but there's a certain stop. You remember what it was, Troy? It was, some little, it was like a little uh, hamburger place. I don't know if it was Burger King or what. But what I got to notice was... I knew it was full of all these people that had been at Promise Keepers. There was about 20-some thousand people, uh, men at Promise Keepers. And so I knew they were all Promise Keepers in there. So I thought, well, let's have some fun. <laughs> so when Bubba's in there, you know, he's standing in line. And so I opened the door. And I said, well, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bubba's like going, oh, my gosh. You know? And everybody else says, and then the whole room says, hallelujah. <laughs> and it's like, that's so cool. You know, I mean, when you've been at Promise Keepers with that many guys, and they're standing up doing the wave but shouting back, I love Jesus. <laughs> you know, how about you? And all this stuff, you know. And, man, we were pumped up. And that was so cool. Bubba's like, what in the world? You're crazy. You're crazy. You know. <laughs> and I'm not saying that, you know, it'd be like that in every place, but you know, how excited are we about Jesus? If we're gonna shout for him today and say, you know, come on, triumphant, Hosanna. Then on Friday, we need to be shouting out Hosanna even louder because of those that we have to overcome that are shouting out crucifying. You know, when we've done the drama, and it's always a hard part, the crowd 
because they're having to holler, crucify him, crucify him. And we always put a few in there that are still saying no and, and you know, trying to out holler them, but they never can make it. And I'm kind of, you know, during that drama, I'm, I'm sitting there kind of listening to all this, and I thought, man, man, I mean, this is just small time compared to what it really was. And can you imagine if you were thinking, where's the 5,000 that he fed? Where's the lepers? Hey, Bartimaeus, what happened to you? That was just, just the other day that he walked through the gate and healed you. Where's Martha and Mary? Hey, come on, somebody help me holler here for Jesus. And, and you're just trying to, as loud as you can holler, and everybody's out shouting, you crucify him, crucify him, and they drowned you out, and they can't hear you saying no. Wow. You know, will we take a stand for him? You know, I think of the triumphal entry, and I'm sure Jesus was thinking, you know, I think it was a little sad for him because he was thinking, you yeah. he, know, he, he knew what they were wanting, that they were wanting a king to help him overcome the Romans. And he was like, you know, maybe that's why he had a little attitude when he stepped into the temple to clear the temple, <laughs> you know. Because, I mean, he went triumphal entry. He goes to the temple, and he starts, sits down, makes a whip, and he clears the house. He cleans house. And he says, my father's house will be a house of prayer. And he started acting like he, he said, you know, beforehand, remember when he'd heal somebody? He said, no, don't, just go on, go away. You may show yourself to the, to the priest and everything. But uh, when they'd come, to, he's like, you know, no, don't tell anybody. It wasn't his time to be king. In fact, there's a, there's a passage of scripture, I think it's in John, where he works some miracles, and they're all excited. The people are so excited, and they want to come, and they're, they're coming to get him, and they're going to like pick him up, and they want to, and it literally says, force him to be king. They want to, they're like, they're ready. And it says they want to, and he says he has to get away. And Jesus, it says he gets away to himself to get away from him because it wasn't his time yet to be exalted as king. I never saw that before. I don't know how many times I've read across that. I'm like, what? And, and so they saw the miracles. They said, okay, yeah, he is the Messiah. Look at all the miracles and everything. He's our king, you know, and let's hold him up as king. And come on, and then what we're going to do, let's go get some Romans. <laughs> Even with his disciples, he was so frustrated. He's like, I'm not going to be with you forever. I'm trying to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to have to die. And, and they're like, huh? Yeah, we're all going to die sometime. But I mean, they just weren't getting it. People, I'm... My concern is, is that we hear the word and we see things around. I mean, we're kind of in a protected shell somewhat in America. Thank God that we're not living in Syria or someplace like that. I mean, these are people, that was some of the first Christians ever. Look at, and, I mean, we see that and it's, it's bad, but we don't know how bad it is. Watching the news and hearing somebody had a car accident. Like, oh, that's bad. Well, until you have a car accident, right? And, and so I think that we're hearing this stuff, and we're not really getting it, and we don't know that this, hey, we are, we're right up here to the edge. It could be any time. It could be any second. I, I just, I don't know. I, uh, I wish I had, had different notes or something else. I, I struggled over this. I kept saying, Lord, I, I kind of feel a little awkward here. On some of this, maybe you might have noticed at the beginning of this sermon, I was kind of like, felt like I was stepping over something because I'm not quite used to just going out here and having to express, I guess, what I feel the Lord trying to 
impart to us. It's more of a feeling thing of catching his heart than it is knowing. We know the word. We've heard it preached. But what he's saying is, I'm coming through the gate. <laughs> I'm here. Are you accepting me as, the, uh, as your king? Are you really going to accept me as your king? I'm here right now. And the time, it's going to happen right now. It could happen right now. Or are you going to hang around for another three and a half years? What will it be? I've never looked at Palm Sunday like that. A little deeper down. Daniel prophesies about it way back then. It happens to the exact day when Jesus rides through. That was a God thing. He rode through the exact time that he needed to. And let me tell you something. If all of those happened and 69 of them were fulfilled to the exact time that they were supposed to, this last little one, last seven years, I guarantee you it's going to be fulfilled exactly what the Word of God has to say about it. And it says a whole lot about it. So what I need you to do today, believe. Like Jesus said, just believe me when I tell you this. That's why he was, he was I can just sense his compassion. And, and he was saying, believe me when I tell you this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, truly, truly, I tell you. He's saying, believe me when I'm telling you these things because I'm not going to be here telling you this for much longer. And it's kind of like, you know, hey, is that what he's saying? We need to catch this. We need to believe it. We need to. Get with it. We need to be faithful. We need to be serving him. We need to watch for opportunities to, to shine light to those that our neighbors, to our fellow workers, to our family members that aren't living for him. People, we got a job to do. I mean, get passionate about evangelism. I mean, we need to unload hell and load up heaven. <laughs> it, this thing is happening, and it's going to happen in and we don't want to be at that time. It talks about in Revelation, it says, and there was silence in heaven for a half hour. And that's because all of those that are standing in heaven are looking down at what's getting ready, what's taking place on the earth, thinking, if only I would have went ahead and said something to them. You know, and thinking about all the people that are going through that mess that if maybe we could have just done something different, maybe they wouldn't be down there going through that. And that could be believers that are not living right. What about the great white throne judgment at the end of this thing? And you're looking and seeing people going into eternal damnation. I mean, people, we need to get some of that old-fashioned uh, desire of where you know, those old preachers, they talk about, you know, that you're in the hands of an angry God just waving you over the flames of hell. Maybe we got to catch some of that to see that we don't want, you know, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members to be at that point of where they're about to be cast into eternal damnation. What's our purpose? We're not really called just to come here on Sunday and maybe on Wednesday night and just sit here and suck air and grow old, you know? I mean... Next year, if the Lord tarries next June, a year from this June, we'll be here 30 years. We'll celebrate our 30th anniversary. I'm sitting here going, I can't believe that I remember being on as associate pastor in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Beams of Light when they had, and I thought that church had been there forever, you know, because they started before I was born. It had been there forever. And they were having their 35th anniversary. I'm like, wow, 35 years. 
Hey, we're just five years or six years short of that, of Light Christian Center. I mean, there, we got to crank it up because I think there's more expected of us here. The last push, the last push, we got to crank it up and say, you know what? I want, and I am so proud of some of these guys. I don't want to name their names because they get embarrassed, but they're bringing their friends in here. Every time I turn around, there's two or three of these guys, and they're always introducing me to, they're bringing another friend, they're bringing another friend. I'm like, all right, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I know some of you have exhausted that, you know, your circle. <laughs> You've already invited them all you know, 5,000 times, you know, and they're, they don't even want to see you coming anymore. You know? But, I mean, that's okay, you know. I mean, we still need to let them know that, I bet you your family knows where you stand, right, Tim? Sure. So they need to know that. So I understand that, you know, that there's uh, how that works. But people, we need to just, let's have a heart of compassion. And let's let evangelism be a passion for our heart, that we're just sensitive. It could just maybe take one little word, one little word. You know, sometimes maybe you might feel like you're supposed to pray with somebody. Maybe it's in Walmart or Kroger. You know what I found? Uh, you can... I mean, you say, well, uh, they're, maybe they're telling you, like, you know, man, this is that's happening. You want to have a little word of prayer? You catch that? A little word of prayer? Because nobody minds a little word of prayer. Good thing Harvey Golden's not there. He'd give a big word of prayer. <laughs> no, but I mean, and you can. People, I mean, you can just right where you are, right there in that, that aisle. I mean, you, you can take your hand like you're just shaking hands with. I've done that with a man before and say, Lord, I thank you right now. You're going to bless him and turn this thing around. It's going to change in Jesus' name. It doesn't have to be everlasting to be eternal. <laughs> I mean, let's do it. Don't walk away because you might not get that opportunity again. Watch for opportunities. We're like Christian Center. Let's be light that dispels darkness. Let's go, let's go blow some darkness away in people's lives and, and get people saved. You know, it, they don't have to get saved here. It's great if they do. But, man... Charlie and I, we prayed. We led somebody to the Lord at Joe's Barbecue, didn't we, Charlie? Uh, a, a pastor called Charlie and said he didn't know what to do, wasn't it? And, and Charlie said, well, my pastor knows what to do. <laughs> so we went to eat at Joe's Barbecue, sitting right there on the table by where you go up the stairs. And, and so we talked a little bit. I said, well, let's just have a prayer right here. And I just asked him a couple of questions. He received the Lord right there, prayed and led him to Jesus. At Joe's Barbecue, we had barbecue afterwards. I can't think of a better way for somebody to get saved, man. Talk about celebrating. So don't think that it has to be like whatever. Sometimes people think people have to get saved in the church. What about all these thousands that are getting saved off of podcasts and televisions and everything like that, you know? So Let's go for it. And the other thing, some of you got some talent and ability and the new technology that we're living in that we could be reaching. You know, it surprises me. Christian told me how many nations that our podcast is in, 37 nations or something like that. And it just blows me away. I'm thinking, man, here's our missionaries right here, people that know something about technology. You can help with some of those podcasts or turning something around like that, getting these things, whatever, however we need to do it, and just broadcasting it. And people hear it. His word will not return void. So I'm going to preach my gizzard out. Just take a copy of it. Put it on the internet someplace or something, you know. And let's just get them saved. All right, well, i got to get you out of here. because we, we, Now you're going to get mad. I know you can. The mind can only receive what the end can endure. So <laughs> well, let's pray. It's been a different service this morning. 
but hopefully we learned something. A little deeper look at the triumphal entry. Wasn't no accident. You know, that however many hundreds of years prior, God already ordained and, and reserved a little colt of a, of a donkey, never been ridden, that'd be right there at that time. It was reserved. You know, if he does that, people, what about our lives? What about these things that he says is coming up? What about this seven-year tribulation that's coming up? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And it looks like it could be here before we get out of service today. So live your life right. Do like those guys. He told them, go into town. You'll find a colt tied up there on time. Tell the guy that the Lord has need of him, bring him back to me. They were simply obedient. They were obedient. So just be obedient to what his word says. Do what his word says to do. And then exalt the Lord. They got Jesus and put him on the donkey. Let's exalt him and everything in our life. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Just lift up Jesus. You know, and if I was writing a, 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 a Palm Sunday message, then the third thing would be praising because that's what they did. They went in and they began to cry out, Hosanna, son of David. And they just praise him and rejoice in the Lord always. Paul said, again, I'll say rejoice. Give him thanks at all things, no matter what it is. And people look for an opportunity to win somebody to the Lord. The devil's been hitting all kinds of stuff. Started messing with my dog. I'm going to write a country western song. Messing with my tractor now. Messing with my dog, messing with my tractor. I don't have a truck. He'd probably be messing with that too. But, I mean, you know, and so you know what? The best thing I can think of doing is go out there and pray for somebody, get, them, get somebody healed, get somebody saved, get somebody to be excited about Jesus, and that'll teach the devil to mess with you. If he's messing with you, just go, okay, boy, we're going to double up here. We're going to get more people. We're going to witness to more people. We're going to pray with more people. We're going to, you know, get more people saved, whatever. Double up on it. Let's, get, let's do this thing. I mean, let's, let's get excited about Jesus. You know, if we're not excited about him, then we're not really, we're not living this thing. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There's more to it than just showing up here. We don't even keep attendance. <laughs> I mean, there's more than just showing up here. It's getting with it when we walk out those doors. You say, okay, Pastor, you said you were going to quit, so stop. That was three minutes ago, so let's pray. Lord, I just feel that this kind of been a little scattered today, but we've had to look back in time of prophecy. And have you stayed to every, not just month or year, but to the day, to the hour. When Jesus hung on the cross, when he died, the priests were slitting the throats of the lambs and their blood was being offered up. At the exact time, the lamb was slain, Jesus. You do things precise. And so, Lord, you've always done it. We see it over and over and again. So these things that are yet future, we should believe that they're going to take place in your allotted time just as well. Father, just stir us up that we just be more concerned about serving you and serving one another. And we don't have time to be fighting among ourselves. We've got to be working together to win the lost and develop the saved and fill this place up. Father, we, 
we ought to be having four or five services on Easter Sunday because of just people trying to get everybody in here. We, we got such a, a big job ahead of us. Lord, just help us. Give us wisdom. Lord, give us enthusiasm and whatever we need, Lord, to, to do this job for you. Lord, we give ourselves to you afresh and anew, afresh and anew. Lord, just give us wisdom. Give us insight. Can you just pray that? Can you uh, tell the Lord that today, just between you and him? Lord, here I am. Whatever you want me to do, just speak to me. I want to be sensitive to hear what you say to do. If you're doing that, just raise your hand to the Lord. Nobody looking around. Just say, Lord, here I am, and I want you to use me. I, I just want you to use me. It doesn't matter how big, how small. I just want you to use me. I want to be a part of this harvest. You're the Lord of the harvest. Send forth laborers. I want to be a laborer of the harvest for you. Father, I thank you for these that have served you in this, in the church. Lord, when we do have church, like Sandra was saying, for 22 years, 22 years she's been faithfully taking care of those little kids. Because you, you said, Jesus, let the little children come to me and forbid them not. Lord, let every one of us catch the vision of the ministry that you have for us, that we'd be faithful in serving you. As our heads are bowed this morning, our eyes closed, let me ask you this question. This is it. This is the question of all time. Don't walk out of here thinking you'll address this some other time because you might not have some other time to address it. Do you know that you know that you know that you are a child of God, that you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He's the Son of God. You believe that he is the Son of God. By accepting him, God forgives you of your sin, makes you part of his family to live eternally with him. Do you know that? If you're not sure, just raise your hand. If you have question marks of where you're going to spend eternity, don't walk out of here unsure. Just raise your hand right where you are. You say, Pastor, will you all pray for me because I'm not sure, I'm not certain. Amen, amen. Somebody else? We have somebody come pray with you right where you are. Amen, over here. Amen. I don't care if you've been in church all your life. It don't matter. Going to church don't make you a Christian like sleeping in a garage makes you a Chevy. It's, it's receiving Jesus. And, and if you're not sure, I, I don't care how many times you raise your hand. <laughs> you know, until you're sure, you need to be sure. Don't think, well, I, you know, I thought I did that, but I just don't know. Yeah, the devil will try to confuse you. So if you're not certain then get certain because when he comes at you when the devil comes at you you need to know that you know that you know that you're a child of God if you got that much I mean no matter it, it all starts there and when you know that then you know that he's given to you all authority he's being given to you as a child of God amen they're praying with two people who are entering the kingdom of heaven today and but what about you let me ask you something amen if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, just do that. You don't have to raise your hand, but we're going to just tell the Lord, Lord, I, I want to draw closer to you and do something. You know, do something that you know that you're working toward that. Amen? Well, let's stand this morning. Let me pray a blessing over you this morning. Hallelujah. Pray for the praise team. Bless their hearts. They had to 
fill in, and, they, and the devil was hitting everything up there. Cords were breaking, and things were going crazy. And, you know, they practiced Wednesday night, and things were going pretty good. And they were smiling. I said, it's not Sunday yet. <laughs> we used to practice Charlie right up to the time to go, and everything's perfect. Time to, for worship. Man, here come the spiritual warfare. What happened? That was all working. Those speakers right there, those monitor speakers were working. You don't think it's... This thing's real. It's real. There's spiritual warfare. The devil doesn't like for anybody to praise God. He doesn't like anybody to be happy. He doesn't want anybody to hear anything about Jesus. He sure don't want you to have a good experience. That's why we need to be prayed up when we get here. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, I thank you right now that we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Father, that you, uh, you have our days lined out for us, and you choose to bless us and not curse us. So, Father, I ask right now that, Father, let your blessings just rest upon your people and every household right now exceedingly abundantly, Father. Father, we call in finances right now, Father, to be able to do what's necessary, Father. And then more, Father, just to be blessed, to be blessed. And, Father, health right now over those that are, are walking in, in some illnesses right now. So, Father, we just thank you right now that you are touching us, you're blessing us. We're blessed and serving you, Father. Now, open up opportunities for us now to be light that dispels darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.